As we sing songs, I hope that you take notice two words and what is being mentioned. Very, very strong song in 352, He Hideth My Soul, talking about Christ and what Christ has done, the fact that he is a Savior, and so on. And as we reflect in God's Word this morning, keep that in mind. We have a wonderful Savior. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father. We can call you Father. We have a relationship with you. Christ is our Savior. Thank you for giving us your word, the Bible. We can discuss a portion of First Peter chapter 2 this morning. Our intent is to hear, to apply, to live for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. going to pose a question, not looking for a response, other than you can think about it and respond mentally. Who are you? How do you identify yourself? How you identify yourself makes a big impact on how you live 24-7. Would you say you're a wife, a father, a child, an employee, an owner, ugly, beautiful, average, athlete, smart, saint. Depends on how you view yourself, how you identify yourself as to how you live. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10, Peter speaks of the identity of his readers, and I think would be true of us today also. When we read the passage together, and while you're turning to 1 Peter chapter 2, 4 through 10, why should we even listen to what Peter has to say? I think we should listen to what Peter has to say because, as I've already mentioned, our identity, how we think about ourselves, determines how we live. And the readers of Peter's letter We're living in a culture that was negative towards Christianity. It wasn't that the political leaders were giving problems. Just the average person was giving them problems and they had difficulty. And Peter reminds them who they were. You're strangers living on this earth. And then he goes on to tell them who they are in Christ. And the encouragement is live according to who you are in Christ. And the second reason we should listen, our culture, our country is becoming more and more moving away from Christ. Judeo-Christian values, a Christian worldview, and moving to other worldviews that we'll touch on tonight. And we need reminded again and again that we live in a foreign culture today. This is not our home. We're saints. We're other descriptions that Peter will give. And we live accordingly, but it comes back to Christ and who he is. See, Christ is the head of the body. His body reflects him. 
And Peter has already stated in chapter 1, and we'll state here in chapter 2, here's who Christ is, the head of the body, and then this is who you are as the body. 1 Peter 2, beginning with verse 4. As you have come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood after offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. As I have often stated, identity impacts deeply how we live. Peter dealt with the identity, the being of believers in chapter 1, 3 through 12, very strongly. And in the passage we just read, chapter 2, 4 through 10, he again drives home the truth into the minds and hearts of his hearers. Oh, how we need to be reminded today of our identity as we live as strangers in this culture. He's giving instruction concerning their new identity in Christ. And in giving the identity, he emphasizes the community into which his hearers had been born. We sometimes see Christianity as, here's an individual believer, here's an individual believer, here's an individual believer. Peter is emphasizing that redemptive history involves community. He talks about a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. It's not individual It's community. And as he discusses this passage, there's a close relationship between the living stone and stones. There's a close relationship between Christ, the head, and believers being the body. In verse 4, Christ is the living stone. Believers as living stones. In verses 5 and 6, believers as a spiritual house. Christ is the cornerstone of that house. Verse 6b and 7a, believers never need to be ashamed. The cornerstone is is honor to believers. In 7b and 8a, the downfall of those who reject the living stone, the stumbling as the destiny of unbelievers. 
In verse 9, we have the new identity of believers, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special possession. And believers receive God's mercy and are his people. You can't separate Christ from his body. You can't separate his body from Christ. And we find that Peter very strongly, very clearly states Christ and who he is. In verse 4, as you have come to him, the living stone rejected by man, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house and so on. He talks about Christ. Then he talks about the body, those connected to Christ. He shifts from talking about his hearers being like infants to being part of Christ. The living stone. One commentator says, and I quote, Peter describes the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom his readers come as the living stone, and thereby introduces a dominant image in this passage that has both Christological and ecclesiastical significance. The living stone was rejected as worthless by the builders, but chosen and precious to God. The image implies two building projects. One constructed by human builders, the other by God. The human builders examine Christ and find him unfit for building upon. Peter's readers can no doubt relate to this experience of rejection since they were being rejected by their society as being unfit. Peter also introduces the theme of election and associates the rejection of the living stone, Christ, with the rejection of those who come to him. The parallel of Jesus' experience with the experience of Jesus' readers is a structure that is seen in the book over and over. Moreover, this passage also introduces a soteriological concept that one's response to the living stone, rejecting him or coming to him, determines one's relationship to God and consequently one's destiny. End of quote. What has happened to the head Christ, the living stone, is happening to the body. And the way one responds to Christ determines their eternal destiny. And determines how they live in the present. Peter says, as you have come to him. As you come to him, the tense is present. Implies a continual action on the part of Peter's hearers coming to Christ. As you come to him, the living stone. Who's the living stone? The context, I think, makes it very obvious that the living stone is Christ. And in chapter 1, Christ was described as one who has apostles. He's one that is to be obeyed. 
His elect are sprinkled by his blood. He's the son of God. He was raised from the dead by God. He will be revealed in his glory in the future. He has a spirit we call the Holy Spirit who ministers. His sufferings and glories to follow were predicted by the prophets through the spirit of Christ. Provided his precious blood so God's elect would be redeemed. He was chosen by God as God's lamb before the creation of the world. Through him, you hearers and us believe in God. Peter just said at the end of verse 3, you've tasted that the Lord is good. Ponder who Christ is, tasting that Christ is good. As you come to him, the living stone. Living means to be possessed of vitality, exercising the functions of life, to have subsistence, to have vigor. As you come to him, as believers in Peter's day, as we today come to him, he's living a living stone but he's rejected by men but he's living so we have the living stone rejected by men the word rejected means to examine and reject after examination It means to disallow a claim. The idea seems to be that people examine Christ. Said we don't want him. Jesus identifies himself as being the rejected stone. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Matthew Chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. In the context and the flow of Matthew, we find that people are having trouble with Jesus. He performs miracles. They resist him. He teaches. Some accept, some resist. But in Matthew 21, we find that Jesus is sharing the parable of the tenants. Matthew 21 and verse 33. He just shared the parable of the two sons, and now he says in verse 33, listen to another parable. There was a landowner, owner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. Here we have the owner of the vineyard, He rents the vineyard. And those who rented it knew what was going to come. They knew about the owner. So when the harvest comes, approached, in verse 34, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time. 
And the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. When the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those, t- or those tenants? He will bring those <clears throat> wretcheds to a wicked end, a wretched end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And the Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. He will fall on the stone, will be broken to pieces, but on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priest and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held he was a prophet. See what is happening? The religious leaders, the Pharisees, they recognized that Jesus was a stone. They were rejecting him. And what was going to happen? The stone's going to crush them. Jesus, as you look at 1 Peter, is identified as the living stone. Now let's go to another parallel passage. And that would be in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We find Acts is the record of what happened in the early church. How the apostles obeyed. The church began in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John heal a crippled beggar. And as a result, they spend the night in prison. And in Acts 4, Peter and John are before the Sanhedrin. And Peter is responding. Notice in verse 8 of Acts 4, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. And this man stands before you healed. He, the stone you builders rejected, which has become this capstone. Salvation is in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus brought up the idea that I'm the capstone. Peter, as he is responding to the elders and the teachers of the law, 
apparently builds on what Jesus already said. Jesus is a capstone. He's the one that was rejected by you. But he has become the capstone. When Peter, later on writing in his first letter to groups of people, he's going back to what Christ said about himself. I'm the cornerstone, but being the cornerstone appeals back to the Old Testament. And as he writes, he again says, who's this Christ? He's a living stone. Now mentally step back and think about to whom Peter is writing. Peter is writing to people that are going through difficulty. The neighbors are rejecting them. They're being made fun of. And they're being rejected because they follow Christ. They're Christians. And Peter is saying, keep going, trust, follow, because you're following Christ. He's the living stone. He's not just someone else coming on the scene. He's the living stone. He's life. He has vitality. And Peter goes on and then says, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. See, there are many religions in the world today. But there's only one living stone. The living stone is rejected by men, but chosen by God. He's elected by God. Same Greek word used in 1 1. Peter's here is being elected. It means to pick out, to choose, to select. Christ was chosen before the creation of the world to be the Lamb of God, according to chapter 1 and verse 20. We have man's perspective. We have the leaders of Israel saying, Jesus, we're going to kill you. And God is saying, here's my perspective. This Jesus that is rejected by Israel is chosen by me. Peter says, chosen by God. He also says, the one that is chosen by God, this living stone is precious to him. That is precious to God. It means pricely, worth something. And let's go to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. What does God say about Christ? That's Matthew 3, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 3. We find that Jesus comes to John the Baptist to be baptized. And in verse 16 
as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Christ, precious to God. Go over to Mark chapter 9. What does God say about his son? Mark chapter 9, we find Peter, James, and John are with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And in verse 7, then a cloud appeared and enveloped them. That is Jesus and Moses and Elijah. And a voice came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 4. What else is said about this living stone? What else is said about Christ? Hebrews 1 and verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Jesus is precious to God. His son, whom he loved, he was pleased with. Through whom he made the universe. His son is a radiance of God's glory, the exact, exact representation of his being. Peter says, you come to God, or rather you come to Christ. He's a living stone. Rejected by people, by men. But chosen by God and precious to him. I want you to think about living out this verse today. We uphold Christ as being the Son of God, being the Savior of the world, being the living stone chosen by God, precious to Him. And as we look at our culture, in many respects, Christ has been held up as the Son of God, the Savior for many years. But our country is changing. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying it is changing. Christ is no longer being held up as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. We're coming more and more into a time period in our country that would represent what Rome or what these hearers of Peter are 
we're experiencing. So there's a lot of things happening in our world. There are many religions. There are many gods. And today, in many respects, if you talk to maybe not people in our community, but uptown, I want to talk to you about God. Well, which God do you want to talk about? Well, I want to talk to you about Jesus. Jesus, who's he? That happens in our own community, by the way. Talk about Jesus. Well, who is he? Experience that. Culture's changing. If we are going to live well in five years or ten years or twenty years, the way it looks like our culture is going, our country is going, we need to be convinced beyond the shadow of any doubt, that Christ is the living stone chosen by men. I'm sorry, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. So someone makes fun of you because you work hard on the job. Why do you work hard on the job? Because I follow the living stone. I follow Christ. You make me look bad. And if you keep doing this, I'm going to get you fired. Will you continue to follow Christ? So you're talking to someone about Christ and you're helping them with some moral issues. And they bring out some sin and you say, well, that is really wrong. What you're doing is wrong. And it happens to be a teenager. And the teenager says, I want you to know that I'm going to tell my mom and my dad about this. And they're going to file a lawsuit because you're trying to get me out of sin through Jesus. You're going to stand firm. So that won't happen. It already is. And it'll come back to what Peter is saying to his hearers. He's saying to them, they were being made fun of because they were not living according to the cultural norms. Stand firm. Be convinced of who Christ is. Because of who Christ is, this is who you are. And we'll cover that next week. Because you won't live well if you don't grasp Christ and follow him, no matter what comes. The context of Peter is that they're being persecuted just by neighbors, by other people, because of their just living godly. So my encouragement is, Christ is a living stone. Be convinced of it. And no matter what comes, stand firm. To the end. For God's glory. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for Christ. He is a living stone. And we know that Christ was rejected. Peter's hearers were being rejected to some extent. And we know today there may be some rejection. 
know that Ashley is going to Vietnam, and we know that believers there at times are rejected. But yet, Father, we know Christ is the living stone. We want to be faithful to him. We want to follow him. And we want to understand in a growing way who we are in Christ so that we can live well for his glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.